The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome to week five of our Insights class. Quite happy to see you all. It's nice to be here. Thank you for braving the elements out there. Kind of a delightful rain happening, a little surprise rain. At least it was a surprise for me. Probably everybody else knew, but uh, for me it was kind of new. So the topic for tonight is conditionality. And maybe I'll start with this little story. Uh, some time ago I went to the movies with a friend of mine, and it was, um, you know, one of those theaters, well, as probably all theaters are these days. It was just really loud and really, you know, uh, kind of forceful. And and the characters in this movie used a lot of profanity. It's just a lot of four-letter words. Like, okay, you know, that's, that's how it is. A few hours engrossed in this movie. Come out to the movie. And, you know, I wanted to talk with my friend. Like, what did you think? What about that? I could not believe it. I was saying all these four-letter words were just coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Right? Just having been, you know, uh, just saturated with that experience of being in the movies and just hearing this. I just started to behave that particular way. It was quite something. We both laughed about it like, wow, what, what happened to you, Diana? But this happens to us, right? So there's certain conditions, certain settings, certain experiences make it more likely that we'll behave in a particular way. This isn't rocket science. I think all of us know this. But we can think about um, conditionality. That is, that things arise, things, objects, experiences, arise only when the right conditions are in place. It's not random. There's this lawful, orderly mechanism in which things come together or things arise. doesn't mean we know all the different causes and conditions, but it's not magic, right? Things don't arrive for no reason. There's always a reason or a collection of reasons. So there are reasons why something is the way that it is. And this teaching was summed up by the Buddha with this saying, when this is, that comes to be. When this is not, that does not come to be. It's pretty straightforward. So last week we talked about impermanence. Things arise and they pass away. Sometimes we can notice the arising. Sometimes we can notice the passing away. Sometimes we can just notice this sense of change, inconstancy. So this teaching about conditionality points to how things change. They arise and they pass away. 
for reasons. We can combine these two insights, these two teachings. But you don't need me to tell you this, right? We know that where there's an oak tree, at one time there used to be an acorn. If there weren't an acorn, there wouldn't be an oak tree. There are no exceptions to this. Or maybe there are in some petri dish somewhere, but in general we could say that, right? Acorns give fruit to, give rise to oak trees. They don't give rise to redwood trees. They don't give rise to fruit trees. They give rise to oak trees. It rains when certain atmospheric conditions come together and there's clouds. Different atmospheric conditions, no clouds, no rain. In our own lives, perhaps we know that when we're feeling hungry and tired, we react to when somebody cuts us off in traffic, maybe we have one type of reaction than if we are relaxed and not hungry and not tired, tend to be a little bit more maybe generous in our response or Maybe it's cutting off in traffic. Maybe it's dropping our phone in water or whatever it might be. Right? We all know this, that when we are feeling stressed or the conditions are such that um, we feel like we can't show up the best version of ourselves, our life for that day unfolds in a particular way. Or after those certain experiences, if we tend to be contracted and stressed, angry and hungry and just kind of sets the course for certain types of responses. As opposed to when we're well-rested, well-fed, maybe feeling calm, relaxed, maybe we did some loving-kindness practice, our heart feels open, going for a walk in nature, feeling nourished and energized. Different things will unfold. This is worth reflecting on. All our actions, body, speech, and mind, all of them, again, here's a place where there are no exceptions, there's consequences. There's a, it, there's cause and effect. It may not be obvious what the effect is, it may not be immediate, it may be really subtle and inconsequential, or it may be really big. But nothing exists without it arising due to causes and conditions, and then it itself causing some other things. In this way, there's this powerful engine, we could think of it, as it's kind of moving through our life. And while we can't directly control everything that happens in our life, right? Certainly we've all tried to control certain things. But we can influence. And certain things we have more control over than others. This means that we can think about, reflect on, and be intentional about our actions of body, speech, and mind. So that 
that they can create the conditions for things that are supportive for our life, for the things that we want. Greater freedom, greater peace, greater ease. So when we find ourselves ruminating about what happened or what should happen or what's going to happen or when we find ourselves kind of in this obsessive loop and kind of contracted in ourselves and really busy with ourselves, that has consequences. It could be that we're, we could use language of the neuroscientists and say we're creating neural pathways that makes it easier and more likely that we will have this ruminative uh, self, uh, um, self-concern um, way of showing up in the world. I think we all know this. The things that we do becomes easier, easier and easier to do. when we're feeling disconnected from our direct felt experience, we're creating the conditions for kind of mindlessly just reacting to what's happening. And in the same way, when we're feeling a little more connected to our, what's actually happening to our felt experience, the quality of our mind, And maybe we can recognize, like, wow, I'm really agitated right now. I'm going to try not to make important decisions. I'm going to try not to push send on that email. I'm going to try to just uh, hold off on coming on some grand conclusions about how this person is or what I should do or something. And we're a little bit more connected to what our experience is. We can use that to... Recognize, oh, it's likely that I'm going to create the conditions for particular outcomes. We don't know what particular outcomes. We don't get to control the outcomes. But I think all of us know. All of us know. All of us have this experience. In general, cruelty or unethical behavior leads to one set of outcomes that does not lead towards greater freedom, greater ease, greater peace, generosity, kindness, openness, being present for our experience. That creates the conditions for greater peace and greater ease. We all know this. So in this way, understanding conditionality and remembering conditionality. Honestly, I used to think that, well, some of the thoughts, those private thoughts that I had that I didn't say out loud, you know, they were, as long as I didn't say them, they were fine, right? I could think whatever I wanted to think. And this is true in terms of you can think whatever you want to think. You are thinking whatever you're thinking. But I had this idea like it doesn't matter, but they do have consequences. They influence what our next thought is and what our next thought is. I'm not saying this to say that we have to force our thoughts to be a particular way, but just to recognize, do we have these little corners of thoughts 
or these little quiet thoughts, rather, that think like, oh, well, that doesn't really matter. That's okay. There won't be any consequences of that. It's true of many things that we do. The consequences are minor, small, subtle, maybe not important. But we're always planting the seeds, creating the conditions for something. So maybe if we can set an intention to, if we are having thoughts of ill will and things that we feel stuck and constricted and tight and maybe tied up in a knot or something like this, maybe we can bring a little bit of spaciousness to our response to that feeling like, oh, okay, this is just how it is. And that way, kind of slow down this train of, you know, being disconnected and concerned with just, uh, it's, I think all of us do this, where we get stuck sometimes in these thought loops as a way maybe to get out of them, to be reminded that, okay, if we can bring just some spaciousness, some openness to the fact that this is happening as a way to bring in a little shift so that the create the conditions for something else. And then rather than focusing on, I have to end this difficulty, I have to end this loop that I'm in, I have to end or stop this suffering, I have to do and make this suffering, this experience I'm having right now, instead maybe we can ask ourselves, well, are there, what are some of the conditions that are fueling, that are supporting, giving rise to whatever this difficulty, the suffering, the tightness, the... I keep on using, thinking of this word obsession, but I, maybe I should use this word like rumination, how you just kind of go over and over and over things. So rather than thinking that we have to fix that, the difficulty, the suffering, the rumination... Maybe we could just gently inquire, what's fueling it? What's underneath it? There's probably lots of things, and there might be something there. It's a little more accessible. It's a little bit more easier. It's a little bit uh, more straightforward. And we can just soften or lessen something. And this not only feels more manageable, rather than I have to fix this big suffering problem, instead to say, well, what's underneath it? What's supporting it? What's fueling it? And maybe there's one of those little things. Maybe there's a little thread I can pull that can help untie the knot. Not only does it feel more manageable, but that's how things work. That's how it works. We don't directly control all the elements of the universe, but we can create conditions in which certain outcomes become more likely and other outcomes become less likely. I know for me, if I want to encourage that I'm going to go for a swim or for a walk or something like this, it makes a big difference whether or not I have all my swim gear put together and are organized in a little um, little 
bag that I'm going to bring to the pool makes a difference if it's sitting there next to the door. If I just kind of create the conditions, it's easier for me to just grab that and go. If I want to go out for a long walk or hike or even a short walk, it makes a difference if I have my shoes and my favorite socks (laughs) next to the shoes that I like to wear when I'm out or when I'm going out. And it's fun for me to kind of do these things, put together my swim kit or walking. It just helps create the conditions that I'm more likely to go out there and do this. So this understanding of conditionality can help us to support this path to greater freedom and greater ease. Because for some people and sometimes, maybe for some of us sometimes, our difficulties are a mystery to us. Maybe because we don't want to look at them. Maybe we've been socialized in such a way to think like, oh, you just ignore them. Just pretend that they're not there. And certainly don't talk about them. (laughs) So they remain a little bit mysterious because we haven't quite looked at them and looked at what's fueling this, what's underneath it. Or it might be also that we may be emotionally bound up and tied up and turned into a knot around of our difficulties and we just haven't had the emotional strength or space to look at our difficulties in a broader context in terms of what are the conditions that underlie them. Or maybe we just it doesn't even occur to us to think about it. Instead we're just like, oh my goodness, this is happening. And just this sincere wish that it weren't happening, but with a sense of I don't know what to do about it. Or maybe some of our difficulties or our suffering are a mystery to us because the what's part of the conditions are really subtle. It might be that we have habits of mind that because they're habits it just we don't see them. It's just the way that our mind works. Maybe we whenever there is, for example, maybe when there's a difficulty like like you have the um, when there's a hot uh, iron or cooktop and the hand just um, just jumps off of it. Maybe it's the same way our mind is when there's some difficulties. We aren't able to just be with it. Or maybe it's subtle because we have a core belief that we don't even really know that we have. But the, maybe that the world is not a safe place, or. I have to please everybody or I'm inadequate. Some of these beliefs may be so quiet and may feel like some of our companions that we don't even recognize them. And they they may be part of what's fueling, part of the conditions for what's creating our difficulties. So with understanding conditionality, we can start to maybe look at our difficulties in a way that is respectful of them and is respectful of us. 
Kind of like honoring our experience. We're not taking a sledgehammer to like, okay, what's going on here? What's underneath this? I've got to figure this out. But instead, with a certain uprightness and a lot of gentleness and care and respect, to look at our difficulties. Well, what, what kind of things are underneath them, supporting them? Can we do this without slipping into blame? Can we do this without slipping into self-pity? And can we do this in a way without feeling overwhelmed? This may mean that we just look, glance at it and then look away. Maybe then we feel our feet on the ground, feel our breath. Some of our difficulties are giant. I don't recommend that you start with those. Instead, maybe you can get a sense of some of the things that are fueling them and maybe work with those. I know that this poem that I have seems worse if I'm exhausted because I did whatever I did today that made me feel exhausted. Then you can either A, organize your days so that you don't end up exhausted, or B, if you are really tired, just know, okay, I'm, these are the conditions for me to, for this difficulty to loom extra large. And just know that. And that might be enough to kind of shift the magnitude or the feeling of it. Most likely, things that are supporting our difficulties or suffering is relating to a holding, a clinging, an attachment, a gripping, a constriction. I've talked about this in a number of different ways during these five weeks. When things are unpleasant, there may be a constriction. We may be be holding tightly on to ideas about ourselves. Maybe it's not even clear what it is we're holding on to or bracing ourselves or armoring ourselves against, but we just have that feeling of contraction. Chances are something like that is supporting difficulties. How are you tightening up? Is there a drivenness, I gotta do this, I must do this, that's underlying suffering, difficulties? So in just the same way that difficulties have conditions, of course, greater freedom, greater peace, greater ease, they also have conditions. And in just the same way, we can work with the conditions. We can't force ourselves to feel happy. We can't force ourselves to feel relaxed. We can't force ourselves to be experiencing freedom. But we can create the conditions in which it becomes more likely, in which it becomes more prevalent that we will have spaciousness, ease, freedom, peace. Probably you all know that that's part of meditation practice. Part of meditation practice is to create the conditions in which our minds can settle and that we can be sensitive to what's happening in the moment. We can see a little bit more clearly when our minds are more settled. And then we can 
feel or experience when there is less or more freedom. And that can help guide us. Oh yeah, I can feel this subtle tightening when I do this. I can feel this subtle softening, this subtle opening when I do that. And we can allow this to guide us. Allow this to support us and know what to do and how to answer questions of like, am I, is this meditation practice, is this going in a way that's helpful? Is it leading to greater ease or to less ease? If we can see and feel those times where there's less freedom, then we can gently inquire about how did we get here? How did I get here? When there's more freedom, we can gently inquire, how did I get here? Without an ambition about trying to actually figure it out or dig in, dig in, and to... But allow just that gentle inquiry might be enough of a prompt that some answer floats up. And then also seeing the conditions for ourselves and for others and things that are happening in the world also helps create the conditions for compassion to arise. You can see, oh yeah, I can see this person is suffering. Of course they're suffering because... X, Y, or Z. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Doesn't mean that they have uh, deficiencies or inadequate or anything like this. It just, oh, okay. They had these experiences earlier in their life. They are unable to take care of the what they eat or exercise or whatever it might be. And then, of course, we can intentionally, not only mindfulness, but other mental states we can cultivate and develop. Loving kindness, concentration, settledness, can practice generosity, practice ethics, morality. These are the things that create the conditions for more freedom and more ease. So in this way, Conditionality can be a lens, can be a perspective, can be a way in which we can view what's happening. How did I get here? And in a gentle way, and is this going to take me to more or less suffering, more or less freedom? Again, in a really gentle way, not in a way that we have to have this all perfectly mapped out and that we have to know every part of it, but just this recognition cause and effect. We all know this, but sometimes we forget. And part of the Buddhist practice is just this incredibly thorough application of this cause and effect, this law, I guess. So with that as an introduction, let's do a meditation And I'll drop in some things where we can talk about conditions. So we'll start with three long, slow, deep breaths.
So allowing perhaps with the exhale a certain amount of softening or letting go. And allowing the body to breathe itself, allowing the breath to return to normal. And then just to support a sense of settledness or being here. Might be helpful to do just a quick or gentle or simple body scan. Feeling the top of the head and the back of the head the face, the area around the eyes and the jaw. Feeling the shoulder blades slide down the back. Check in with the upper back and the lower back. the chest. So often, we kind of, in some way, have an armor around ourselves that sometimes we might feel around the heart. In whatever way makes sense for you, can there be a softening? Maybe a gentle letting go? The belly? Also a place where we may be feeling hard, guarded and hardened. Feeling the pressure of the chair or the cushion against your body. The upper legs. the lower legs and the feet allowing yourself to feel connected and grounded the upper arms and lower arms and hands. We can just do some mindfulness of the sensations of breathing. That is, rest your awareness on the movement of the abdomen or the movement of the chest, or the feeling of the air going in and out of the nose.
just very simply and gently beginning again. When we find ourselves lost in thought. Implicit in the teachings on conditionality is what we do makes a difference. All actions have consequences. What we do matters. What would it be like to sit here and engage in the practice of mindfulness if you firmly believed that how you practiced and what you did made a difference? attitude we bring, or just waking up in thought and coming back to the object. This movement of the mind makes a difference. We have no control of getting lost in thought. But when we wake up, choosing to come back makes a difference. turning away from criticalness of being self-critical and replacing it with compassion or care or warmth matters as best we can. 
as best we can. You can gently inquire if there's any ease in your experience. It doesn't have to be your dominant experience. There might be a sense of well-being, harmony, maybe a little bit of inner freedom, some ease, spaciousness. These can exist with tension. At the same time, there might be tension or some degree of difficulty. Can you turn toward the ease with a gentleness and curiosity? Can you turn towards any sense of well-being or openness or spaciousness you have? even if it's just a small little corner of your experience? How does it feel in the body? Any sense of well-being or ease? How does it feel in the mind? By turning and looking at the experience of ease, the conditions that support, that fuel, that underlie the experience might simply become evident without having to dig for them. What 
supports that feeling of ease in the body. What supports that experience in the mind? Again, this is a gentle, soft inquiry. It's okay if no no answers bubble up. That's perfectly fine. If you find the ease slipping away or becoming difficult to find, in the same way there could be a gentle inquiry, is there any unease, any discomfort, some stress? If so, how does that feel in the body? How does that feel in the mind? And again, just by looking at it, the conditions that underlie it may become evident. We might discover there's a sensation in the body that's fueling a thought train. Or maybe a thought train is fueling itself. without any sense of I have to change this but maybe with a sense of it might be skillful right now might be helpful right now just gently inquire what are the conditions underlying Maybe we can very gently put in place conditions for more ease. (coughs) 
Maybe we can be kinder to ourselves. Maybe we can soften any beliefs that we might have about how this meditation should be unfolding.
And then to end this meditation, feel the pressure of the chair, the cushion against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So with that guided meditation, I first dropped in this idea that, or reminded us of what all of us know this, that uh, actions have consequences. And so um, I don't want it to feel like a... um, like a sentence, like, okay, if you if your mind is filled with uh, busyness and uh, agitation, then that means you're going to continue to be that way or something like this. But I just wanted to have this sense of, we may not be able to control exactly what's happening, but we may be able to, as I said, kind of like pull the thread, the things that are supporting or fueling or underlying that experience whether that experience is ease or whether that experience is difficulty. And then recognizing that with the conditions, then we can either modify, I guess we can modify them by either taking away something or adding something. And in a kind, generous, soft way, not with a sledgehammer. Does anybody have any comments or questions or that they'd like to share? So Kumi, can you? Okay, thank you. So may I ask the um, definition for condition? I'd say a condition is something that supports, fuels, is a foundation underlies something else. Just like acorn is a condition for an oak tree, cloud is a condition for rain. So the conditioning... Conditioning is different. Conditioning is different? How do you understand conditioning? Conditioning is the past, um, how we came to be, perhaps. I would say it's the same, right? How we came to be here, like it came to be in the way that we are, is due to things that happened in the past. Those There were conditions in the past that c- came together and allowed whatever we are is that moment to arise. So when we have intentions, they're all from the conditioning? Oh, the conditioning from the past? Yeah, this gets this gets a little bit tricky. I would say our intentions, usually we understand intentions as something that like we intentionally, or that's funny, that we set. And 
rather than worrying like okay is the is this speak uh, is am i um motivated to set this particular intention now because of something that happened in the past because this gets complicated right how could we ever figure this out exactly just to recognize like okay right now i have this motivation and does this lead to more freedom or less freedom and i know i have this motivation because of something that's happened in the past but to figure it out or understand exactly what it is may be helpful or not helpful it's tricky right because like everything there's no exceptions here so absolutely everything is has conditions to it so even the intention to set conditions has conditions <laughs> this powerful force yeah 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 I'm not using this word karma because it's loaded and can get complicated but it's one way to understand karma you're welcome Kumi Christina First of all, this meditation was kind of Can you for lack just a little bit closer. Thank you. For lack of more um, academic <laughs> language, this meditation was a little bit of a trip because it was less of quiet the mind and it was more of guiding me on on a process of unraveling. It was like guiding my thoughts, mm. which helped me to come to a realization actually, which I which I found very helpful. Um, So, without going into the weeds, I'm grieving the loss of my mother Mm. and some family members. And I was thinking that's a consequence of the death of people. But then when I tried to go underneath and look for a string to pull loose from the consequences that I'm experiencing, I realized that I'm grieving core beliefs that I had and the conditions were the deaths. And it makes me feel like I have a little bit more power over my healing when I realize that mm. I'm grieving very foundational core beliefs that yeah. were shaken in my egoic self. Yeah. Um, so I have more control on how I internalize information surrounding those beliefs and can you continue to develop those beliefs um, whereas I felt powerless over the consequence of grief before tonight more so because I thought the grief is a consequence of the death of people and I can't do anything about the death of people that's right that's beautiful Christina when we start to realize that we actually can't control the uncontrollable all kinds of things open up and as we start to see the how things are connected and the different strings. That's beautiful. Thank you. I think Nemo had Create the conditions for the microphone to <laughs> work. Uh, ironically enough I was actually thinking about um causality on the way here and um, and part of it was 
thinking about how others are conditioned and their conditioning affects how they perceive you, which might not have anything to do with you at all, which is amazing. Uh, and then I was like, well, what is this karma? If is, This is not even my karma, it's their karma. But because of their karma, they, they limit how they perceive me. And then I don't have to like live up to that perception. And so I'm thinking there's something about the causality here that is messy. And and my before I came here, my conclusion was there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> However, uh, which is to say uh, it's all conditioned and almost a little predetermined, um, including me, because I was like, well, you're doing the same thing about them. <laughs> and then when you were saying um, that even in the present moment, there's still space, there is almost, um, it's almost like you have to even set the conditions to uncondition where there can be novelty, uh, where that, I literally forgot about all of that for a moment. So, so while it's true that it is all conditioned, that's not really a life sentence that's right. as much as it can be a realization for freedom. <laughs> and then we have dramatic music for that. <laughs> Conditions arose that is this Nemo speaking and Kumi gets a call and it's beautiful some way. Yeah, right? It's e- uh, this idea of conditionality, we could fall into this trap of like, oh, I, it's, there's no uh, use of making any effort. It's all like, you use this word predetermined. Or we could also fall into the opposite of like, okay, well, I can make anything happen. I just have to pull all the right levers, (laughs) push all the right buttons. And instead, I think we start to learn like, okay, we have some influence, but maybe, you know, some influence here, but not there. Or maybe we can have some influences that we don't even know about. But just this recognition that our actions, body, speech, and mind do have consequences. And we just know, I think those of us that are practitioners know in general what types of things lead to more freedom and what type of things don't lead to more freedom. Kind of leads to things... For me, I'm often feeling this like in my body, what feels just a little bit more open, like I'm doing this with my hands when I think about this, I'm, what feels a little more spacious, a little more open, even if I don't quite understand or have the words exactly, sometimes I can feel like, oh, this 
thought pattern I'm having, this way of thinking is leading me to feel contracted. This other way is helping me to feel more open. And sometimes it's vague like that without specific words. But just using that as a way to just help guide us in our meditation practice, in our daily life, in decision-making. And as we have more experience, this is my experience, I think it's true for most others, as we gain meditation experience, we gain a little greater sensitivity to know, like, oh, this tightening, this is a subtle form of suffering that's probably going to lead to more difficulties. It's not the way to greater freedom. We start to recognize it earlier in smaller movements that way. In the beginning, we only notice it right when it's exaggerated and obvious. And part of being quiet is to be able to help us notice the difference. Kumi, can you use the microphone, please? When you said go underneath, kind of, a few times, um... I didn't quite, uh, I wanted to understand, but I didn't quite understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like this gentle inquiry, like what's underneath? So an obvious one is, okay, um, my knees bother me a little bit. Well, I've been sitting for quite a lot today. That's what's underneath it hours of sitting. It's like, oh, that's why my knees bother me. That's kind of an obvious one, right? There's something that's supporting the creating the conditions. If I hadn't sat for so many hours today, then my knee wouldn't be bothering me. So is it, uh, it's not necessarily going back to the past, not wondering why. I mean, it's kind of asking why, right? Yeah, no, this is a good question that you're asking. Um, Is it like figuring it out? So there's a difference between this like archaeological dig of like, okay, well, I sat so many hours today because I have this belief about myself and I have this belief about myself because that thing happened when I was 10 and that thing happened when I was 10 because of this and that happened because of this, you know. It's not that. It's just maybe something obvious, like I said, and allow it to stay there. We don't have to figure it out. We're just opening up like, oh, this is arising. What's what's supporting it? Oh, yeah, of course my knee's bothering me. I've been sitting here for hours. Not here for hours, but yeah. Of course I'm feeling tired. Uh, I didn't sleep a lot last night. Of course my mind is agitated because I had that phone call earlier today that was disturbing. Whatever it might be, but without having to the sense that we have to figure it out. Because what happens, it's just this gentle turning towards, whether it's something that's going towards freedom or going towards less freedom, turning towards as best we can. And this gentle inquiry, what's what's fueling this? Sometimes it just becomes obvious. No real effort on our part. If it's not clear and if we feel like we have to figure it out, that's not the, what we're doing here. We're just like creating the space. What's underneath this? 
And then somehow uh, the story of like, okay, my knee's bothering me. I could have gone into, oh my gosh, I'm getting old and I won't be able to sit on the floor anymore. And why am I meditating so much? I'm going to damage my body and maybe I should go to the doctors. Right, I can, brrr, I can just go on this thought train. But like, oh, of course my knee is bothering me. I've been sitting a lot. Kind of just kind of stops there and it kind of takes the idea of it being a problem out of it too. Maybe I can bring a little more spaciousness to it. Like, yeah, of course it is. You're welcome. You're welcome. Jordan. Um, Thank you. It's good to see you and all of you. Um... Yeah, I was thinking, um, reminded me of this day long that um, I sat with you, the practicing with conditionality, where you said, um, like, what we do matters. And it kind of reminds me of, like, faculty of uh, faith or confidence in the practice. Because um, I know, um, like, practicing works for me. So just, like, kind of to drop that in is nice. sweet. Um, and also like this whole body, speech, mind thing. Um, like I noticed that, um, like if we're talking about, say we're talking about physical pain, um, that's a body feeling. And then I can see myself mentally get constricted about the pain, you know? But um, it it depends on my mental attitude towards the pain, you know. And if I kind of, um, it depends on how I approach my outlook on dealing with it. Um, kind of, you know, makes it a, uh, you know, I can either go this way and get more constricted. And I notice that, oh, uh, I can notice in my body, you know, it's kind of like a two-way street where it's like, I don't like the pain, so. I'm mentally constricted over it, and then I get even more, like, um, physically constricted over it. But if I can find, um, like, the way I talk to myself when I'm meditating, kind of shift my mental attitude around it, and then I can sometimes find the ease despite the pain. Yeah. So it's kind of like this whole body, speech, mind thing. It's like it all works together. It's quite something, right? Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you, Jordan. Okay. So let's do uh, a small group discussion. If you want to break up into groups of three, and then I'll give you some instructions. This will be familiar for all of you, I think, that um, 
We'll start with uh, one person saying a sentence or two and then going around to the next person. They say a sentence or two and going around to the next and then going around and around and learning from each other and no need to take long or tell long, complicated stories and no need to give advice to each other. We're just supporting each other and hearing and listening and to one another and kind of, it's quite something. Probably you have this experience how when you or us to articulate something, you discover you may notice something or learn something new when you have to articulate it. So, what wisdom do you have about creating the conditions for greater freedom? What wisdom do you have about creating the conditions for greater freedom? And the person that's sitting closest to me goes first. (laughs) And uh, you can go clockwise. And I'll give you a second question in a little bit. So please begin. What are the, oh, let me see. So for the second question, what are the barriers or challenges to creating the conditions for greater freedom? What gets in the way? What are the hindrances? What makes it difficult to create the conditions for greater freedom? Please begin. Okay. So we just have just a few minutes left. Just wanted to check in and see how that was. As I mentioned before, sometimes when we are asked to articulate something, then we realize what's clear in our minds, what's not clear in our minds. And maybe we've never really thought about this conditionality in this particular way. And So, actually, we only... The time has got a little bit away from us, away from me. Maybe I'm the one that has the the striker of the bell. So, <laughs> so maybe I'll close this evening with saying tonight's the last night of this uh, series we've been doing on insights and how much I enjoyed it, kind of um, sharing this and exploring these topics with you all. It's been a pleasure of mine to come here on Wednesday nights and spend some time with you and share share this and and to wish you all continued success and continued discovery and exploration and an encouragement to things don't make sense or to leave that behind maybe maybe I didn't say them in a way that was meaningful for you or maybe there'll be a time in which it was it does make more sense it's kind of the nature of this idea of insights as sometimes they are, they arise and make sense when they do and just with a heartfelt wish for you to have a lovely continued practice and a lovely evening thank you <laughs>